This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Get a Casper mattress and get a great night's sleep. Try it for 100 nights risk-free. Go to casper.com slash Glenn and use the promo code Glenn. Get $50 towards the purchase of your mattress. Terms and conditions do apply. Glenn Beck. The Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America, and welcome to Glenn. I am JP, and this is Jason. We are, uh, once again, uh, we, it's a, we are minus uh, the Glenn and a side of JP and Jason and the rest of Think Tank today. Um, Glenn is actually in Canada, of all places. That's why that, uh, we're taking over uh, and the boss. He was like, you guys did such an amazing job last time. Yeah. He wants us to take over his show. Yeah. So, so. you know, that's, uh, that's really encouraging that uh, we're taking <laughs> over his show again. Uh, it's really good. But yeah. uh, no worries, because Glenn is back tomorrow. We have tomorrow. We have what's on tomorrow? Uh, tomorrow's show, we're going to do um, another history show. Halloween episode? Halloween. Edgar Allan Poe. It's really good. I just heard the finished product today, so it's really exciting. Can't wait. And then The Vault on Wednesday. Yeah, The Vault on Wednesday, and then uh, Thursday, um, we've got part two of the TCU show, okay. which was really good last week. So. Um, and like, like last time, just because the boss is gone doesn't mean we don't have a ton of stuff to talk about. We're going to talk about um, what Russia's doing right now, how the Battle of Mosul's going on. Polita Parker is in there getting ready. Just can't wait to give you an election update. It's exciting. Um, that and a whole lot more right now. Okay, um, so I've been seeing a lot of uh, misinformation going on about the Battle of Mosul right now. That's going down right now. Um, Trump sent out a tweet uh, saying that it was a disaster, that we telegraphed the attack, and it was going horrible. Um, basically, I don't know where he's getting that. No, because didn't they say they were ahead of schedule? They're ahead of schedule. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's things to worry about, obviously. Um, so the reason that it's, it's ahead of schedule is because most of ISIS forces pulled out of the villages around ISIL and they moved back into Mosul because they're getting ready for the actual assault. That's why it's ahead of schedule. There, our forces are rolling in. There's so, nothing. So to they're see. preparing for a bigger assault coming from uh, the Iraqi military. Um, well, from that well, ISIS. Like, is, like who is going after Mosul right now? Like, give us some of the. Oh gosh. On that. There's Turkey, uh-huh. which is a big deal. That's something we need to watch because Turkey's butting their heads into it. Um, there's our forces who are advising the Kurds who are attacking on their own front and our forces who are advising the Iraqi government. And then there's the Iranian militia units, which are kind of attached to Iraq, which is kind of uh, worrisome. Um, but they're all kind of converging at once. You can see how this is, this is what scares me, is it's going to be a political nightmare. It's going to be a total mess. As all of these different sectarian groups and you know, eth- ethnic groups are kind of fighting over the same spot. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, and actually, this is what delayed the op to begin with, because they didn't know how to divide Mosul up after all this was going down. Um, so you can imagine the fight that's going to spring up after this happens. Like, is Iraq going to get control of Mosul? Are the Kurds, who have battled all the way up to the Mosul you know, outskirts, are they going to be given all of that land? Or are those Shia militias going to come in and say, no, Who, no, no. Who's we... going to make those decisions? <laughs> like, does the UN have to step in at all for that, or is that a? I think that it'll be thrown pretty much all on Iraq, um, but they're. I think that it'll be. It'll say this is your sovereign territory, Iraq. You deal with it, and they'll have the final say. So, but the problem is, is that they're basically a puppet, a puppet government of Iran now. So, Got it. I mean, 
Iran and Iraq are kind of becoming this one entity. Uh Um, It's just, yeah, it's just, it's scary. It really is. Do you think this is going to lead to deeper U.S. involvement again? You know, because we still have a few thousand troops there, right? Yeah. And Um, around 500 advisors or whatever. Yes, I do think that it'll lead to us getting into it more than we want, really want to. Um, It reminds me of um, the, the first American was actually killed um, Chief Jason Finnan, uh, 34 years old. He was killed. He was an EOD tech. He was killed while embedded with uh, some other troops. He actually spotted an IED. I mean, the, 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 the account of how it went down sound, actually sounded pretty horrible because he spotted the IED, radioed in, and the IED went off. So it sounded like. And then he, wow. he got killed. When did that happen? Uh, it was over the weekend, I think, or Friday or over the weekend. And so he, was he just an advisor that was there, or yeah, okay, yeah, they're they're, they're basically kind of telling the Iraqis and the Kurds how to fight, and uh, the more I mean, so you'll have like maybe a team or more special forces embedded along with you know other countries, you know, militaries. So as as far as they push up, our boys are right along in the front lines with them. Um, I'm I actually am more worried about what this means for the Christian minorities yeah. that are basically going to get left out again, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I, I, I've, I, our manners are horrible. I just wanted to welcome yeah. Andrew Chavarria again yeah, to the yeah. show. Thanks. Welcome, sir. Yeah. Um, what, are you, what are you seeing in, in, some of the, in, like in churches, in your church? about how, how do they feel about you know, the plight of the Christians now? And- well, I mean, you know, when we think about it from our perspective and, and we look at it from our church perspective, and... I take great hope, and I encourage other people to take great hope because one of the stories that we were going to talk about was the Christians that are retaking these cities that were taken over by ISIS. Mm. Um, you know, I watched that video, and it was really impressive to see because, you know, and, and the reason I say I take hope from that is because here you got these people have, that have literally had everything taken from them by radical Islamic terrorists, and they're going in, they're saying, we're not going to take it anymore. We want our place back. We want our land back. I remember watching... Um, the first time you guys went over to, uh, to Iraq and you embedded with the Kurds, when, and you talked about this a little bit with me earlier, when they raised the cross back over the, over the, the church. It was just, that was amazing. I mean, I bawled like a baby just to kind of see that because it's like, you know, you think about, you, we don't think about that here. And we're facing, you know, language oppression. We're facing, you know, IRS threats and all of these things. But we don't really face those threats that they're facing over there. And they're willing to do everything that yeah. they have to do. Yeah, um, I don't, yeah, I, I don't really, I, I'm, I'm actually, I guess we'll tease this for the first time. I'm going over to Iraq next week, probably around Tuesday-ish, something like that. So be on the ground either Tuesday or Wednesday of next week. And we're going to embed back with that Christian group um, that was getting trained there in Telescope. And um, there's a full, uh, full screen one that's uh, uh, Matthew Van Dyke. He's uh, been out there and he's been training some of the Nineveh Plain Forces and uh, him and his men have basically been trying to teach them. For, these are like shop owners. You know, these are just regular dudes that are now, you know, kind of brought in to be um, citizen soldiers. And uh, he's trying to basically from the ground up teach them how to fight. Yeah. Um, uh, what's the, do we have a VO3 that we yeah. can show? That's like, that's uh, Van Dyke and his Sons of Liberty International teaching them how to, uh, how to fight. I, uh, yeah, there they are. I mean, they, yeah. they literally, they did not know how to march. They didn't know how to shoot. Um, they All did, volunteer? Uh, yeah, volunteer. Yeah. So the, the absolute definition of citizen soldier. And oh. these guys are based, these are the champions of the faith right now. These guys are on the front lines. They're the, you know, the only ones that are, 
you know, holding back ISIS from their lands. Lands that have been Christian for thousand, a couple thousand years. Yeah. yeah. I mean, really. I mean, but, but to be fair, I didn't know how to march when I joined the military. Yeah, I didn't I either. It's, so. it's an acquired skill. <laughs> it, it really is. Like, that looks really simple, like what they're doing on there, but that's really hard stuff. It's, yeah. not, it's, <laughs> not, it's not. But it, it brings into mind, though, I mean, I don't know. I mean, what is, as Christians, what should we be, I don't know, should we do mostly, should most of our work back here and around, around the world be in prayer? Should it be financially? By donating to groups uh, such as Van Dyke, who's helping these people. Um, by the way, his website's uh, sonsoflibertyinternational.com, uh, I believe. But they have a, uh, a uh, financial contribution section, so if you want to give directly to them, you can. Yeah. Um, but, or do, should we be more actively involved in supporting you know, these you know, basically Christian militias is mm-hmm. what they are to go out and you know, take their lands back? I've, been, I've already been criticized for saying this before, but one of the things that I started saying probably about a year ago was the time for prayer is over. It's time for action. Mm. You know, not that prayer doesn't, you know, prayer does big things. It does powerful things, right? I firmly believe that. But the time for prayer in matters like this, it's, it's over with. We have to act now. You got you to be willing to put your money where your mouth is. You know, it, Abraham prayed to God. God answered, but he still had to get up and go into a land that he didn't know. Mm-hmm. You know, all of those, you know, prayer takes action. And, um, you know, that's, that's my answer today is, you know, it's time to stop praying, get up and do something about it. Yeah, I think, well, a lot of it had to do with, I mean, what we've seen also is some of the cool stuff with um, M1 also. Yep. Some of the stuff they're doing over there, Van Dyke, um, you know, Samaritan's Purse, a lot of other ones that have just, but, you know, I think giving also, you know, giving money, because all of us can't go over there, you know, like, yeah. you know, I, I couldn't go over there technically because I don't really know how to handle a battle situation. You've, you've been in the military, you've been in the military, you would at least have an idea of what it's like. So, yeah, when it comes to action, I think you're right. You know, it's that time of prayer, you know, continues, but it's, it, it's we have to show it, you know, we have to act it. Um, Does anybody here go to a smaller church? Like, I go to a larger church, you go yeah, to a larger to a church. One. My church is smaller. Yours is smaller? Yeah. Well, Bowie, do you, do you go to a smaller church or a larger church? Um, not in Dallas, no. My church in Chattanooga is pretty small. Are they, what do they say? Do they, do they have, a, are they vocal about it? I mean, um, no, not really. See I mean, well, a pastor actually just moved to uh, Detroit to kind of pastor to a Muslim community there. So I guess in a way they're kind of, you know, bringing in these kinds of issues. But I think for a lot of people, I mean, donating money is great. But I think for a lot of people, prayer is action. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so we can say, no, stop praying and act. But for a lot of people, that's all that they can do is mm-hmm. pray. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Nathan? Yeah, I, I don't think that um, Americans in general, I, th- there's just, there's not a lot of education about this issue. You know, we're, we're not used to Christians being talked about in a minority sense, right. usually, you know, and uh, I think it would surprise a lot of people that there are even Christian communities in Iraq, you know, that have been there for a couple thousand years, as you said. I think that would surprise some people, you know. Um, so uh, I, I don't think there's a lot of education about what they're, they're facing, what they're fighting for. What do you think, uh, as far as Mosul goes, how do you see this going down, Jason, ultimately? You mean like... Uh, the battle for it? Re- the result yeah. afterwards? Well, so the reports came out over the weekend that ISIS was already... They were, all the villages they're vacating, they're bringing all those civilians, and, and so many of these are Christian as well, because a lot of these areas around Mosul are Christian villages. They're bringing a lot, all the civilians out of the villages, and they're putting them in the city. 
Um, the reason they're doing that is because they're gearing up for the final assault. Basically, they want, they want meat shields, is mm. what they want, to put it very crudely. Um, they're already also starting to destroy major parts of the city because a city is a lot, and you probably know this too, is a city is very hard to defend, and it's also very hard to defend if there's a lot of rubble and stuff. It makes yeah, going yep. house to house, street to street, hard to attack because they are dug in. It's going to be very bloody. Mm-hmm. It's going to take a while, and it's going to be very bloody. Um, have, has, have they surrounded the city? So could, could ISIS find a way out? Or? There, there, is, there is a corridor out, uh-huh. um, and ISIS is defending that corridor now because that's like their only supply that's line yeah. to get in so they yeah. can replenish themselves with food, water, and all that stuff. Um, and there's already been, I don't know you saw, it was a, a couple of us were laughing at this the other day. There's already ISIS defectors that are trying to get yeah. out. They're dressing up as women. I wish we had that, that's, that, no, yeah, that, that's, that photo. That was pretty great. They're dressing up as women. In like little princess dresses. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and was, they still have their full uniform on under it. It literally was like a princess <laughs> yeah. outfit. It, 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 <laughs> it didn't make any sense. The beards are always suspicious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the beards are a little, little Dead off. Dead giveaway. <laughs> there's a Halloween superstore over there? Yeah, I know. <laughs> 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 um, but I, I see it as taking a long time, and I see it as I see casualties as being very, very high. Yeah. So yeah. is the one thing keeping um, everybody from just flattening the city? Are, are there still civilians in there? Oh yeah. Okay, so yeah. that's that's and, what's holding them back. And it's disputed too, is however many are actually there. Like mm-hmm. I've seen anywhere because I know a lot of people vacated. Um, so I, I I know it's yeah it's just kind of up in the air. But I've also seen how there's speculated numbers from anywhere from 250,000 all the way up to over a million people. Jeez. There is a ton of people there. Yeah. And it's funny, they're, they're running propaganda ops uh, on their own people uh, while this is going on. They're kind of doing like a Baghdad mob, saying, the coalition's not here, they're not, you know, come on, everything's fine. They obviously know better. Um, they started closing down their shops, but ISIS is making them reopen their shops, saying nothing is wrong. Really? Um, yeah. yeah. Um, basically, they want people out and about. They don't want them hunkering down, because if they hunker down, then the coalition can bomb them from overhead. Yeah. So wow. all signs point to them using this city as a gigantic meat shield, and they're just going to soak up casualties. Mosul will fall. It will fall, and it'll go back eventually. The question is, what's going to be left? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. What is going to be left in Because it's rumored al-Baghdadi is there, right? Yeah, that was a rumor. But the Iraqi government put that out there. Oh, they did? Yeah, so... And is it still going to be a big deal, though? Like, will it hurt ISIS taking that city over? Like, will it really attack them? So it's going to hurt them from a propaganda standpoint. Okay. Um, because there's not much of the caliphate left if all they have is yeah. Raqqa and a couple of oil fields in Syria. You know, yeah. they, the, all of a sudden, like, their big thing was they dissolved borders and they opened up this big caliphate, you know, and created their own country, basically. And you can't, it's hard to say that after they've lost everything in Iraq. Um, so, yeah, I, it, they'll still be fine. They have a stronghold in Raqqa. Hmm. Um, they're going to, you know, they're going to keep on going. They are not fully on the ropes. They, they're, they're completely dug in. So the ISIS is nowhere near to being completely done. So we still have a long way to go and, uh, unfortunately, a very long and bloody battle of us. All right, so who here heard that about the AT&T Time Warner yeah, deal? Yeah, I did. That's crazy. So Time Warner wants to, or AT&T wants to buy Time Warner, $85 billion. It's not a lot. No. It's pocket <laughs> change. So um, they have to go through, you know, regulatory issues if it will be passed around. That could take up to a year, but the CEOs of both companies were on CNN this morning, sounded pretty confident, basically because it's not a horizontal integration, it's vertical. It's you know a distribution company acquiring a content company rather than 
you know, two distribution companies merging or something. But um, I don't know. I think it's pretty interesting, especially in, I don't know if you guys know, but in, ni- in the 1940s, so all the movie studios had their own movie theaters. Mm-hmm. And so that eventually was overturned by the Supreme Court. And it seems kind of similar to me, you know, a distribution company and content companies merging. Mm. So will this have any effect on Time Warner Internet? Because it sucks. <laughs> At all? Well, yeah. you might have exclusive content, I guess, to... Oh, okay, got or it. Or AT&T. Yeah. No, wait, Time Warner, like the internet and cable, that's different. Yeah. yeah. No, no, Time Warner, internet. So it's different than... This, like is, this is distribution. This is a personal question. It is. Yeah. It's a personal it's a question. Personal. Yeah. yeah, that's different from Time Warner, like the content The distribution, company, oh, okay. Right? So what because all... that Time Warner is now owned by Charter. Oh, that's right. Yeah, right. And that also includes HBO, right? Yeah, yeah. like HBO, Warner. HBO, TBS, TNT, we'll Warner Brothers, Studios. And, and AT&T. Well, it already is all one. With all of AT&T. those well, is right under so, Time Warner. Yeah. The so difference is that Time AT&T. Warner owns HBO, CNN, Cartoon Network, TNT, TBS, CW, Warner Brothers Pictures, DC Entertainment, and the Warner Brothers Studios. Yeah. Wow. So, so what, all does, those... what does AT&T want with them? Um, that, that, I mean, that would be, maybe they get rid of, because does AT&T still have their cable? Their U-verse? Yeah, their U-verse. Whatever, yeah. I wonder if yeah. they'll just get rid of it, and then all those stations will be on their internet package. Well, AT&T. they also took over DirecTV. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So they it can so. provide, yeah. like, They're, better bundle deals. Yeah. They could, they were talking about how this is kind of the first time that a mobile network can now have all of that content exclusively owned by them, which is what a lot of people think is moving towards. So does everyone agree that this, is this something that should be taken up by Congress, Supreme Court, all the, no. go through all the process? Mm-hmm. Um, it's possible that, I mean, it's, it's a rigorous regulatory examination, you know, and, and they could have restrictions still put on them. It's not a, is, is, a total done deal. Are they included because of the FCC? Well, or well, like, how did, why are they involved in that? Well, There's uh, just a lot of antitrust issues, but... Uh, the, the model they're going after is when uh, Comcast bought out NBC Universal back what, five years ago, 2011. Yeah, I think it was 2010. Yeah, so, uh, but basically what they're doing is Comcast was a distributor, AT&T is a distributor, and Comcast decided to get into the content business as well by acquiring NBC Universal. Mm-hmm. So AT&T, to compete with Comcast, is now doing the same thing by taking out Time Warner which they're trying to edge out Verizon by doing that because Verizon doesn't have content. They're still a distributor. Right. This mm-hmm. is so it's be... the merging of con- uh, distributors and content creators into one. Right, which is what happened companies. in the 40s and was overturned by the Supreme yeah. Court. Because so, And what I was reading was there was a lot of people who weren't happy with how uh, uh, regulators handled the Comcast NBC Universal merger. So there might be a lot more pushback with AT&T and Time Warner than there was five years ago. Mm-hmm. This is, is that be fair? A, this is going to be a big deal going forward, I think, because you're starting to see these, these media mega companies. Right. That, I mean, and we've, and we've had a problem with this with The Blaze before, because if there's, like a, group, if there, if there's a channel or a network or whatever that doesn't want to cover Period. you because of your, like, your political views or whatever, mm-hmm. they can just deny you on, on their network. Right. So now we have these companies that are like, like this, like AT&T now. Literally, they can, if, whether they're right or left or whatever, they can just cut out one entire side of the, you know, the argument and just right. roll whatever they, you know, whatever. I it's mean, in, I, yeah, it's interesting that a lot of this, that they're wanting to get into this content business, uh, a lot of that seems to be fueled by Netflix and Amazon, you know, mm-hmm. that are now producing their exclusive original stuff. You, you have to go to them to get those particular shows or, or whatever. I don't, think, 
I don't think that we're ready for just the digital age going forward. I really don't. I, and it brings to mind, uh, did you guys notice on Friday the uh, DYN hack? Did you all hear about that? Yes. Yeah. So just, just to recap, there was a group of, actually, they don't even know who did it. Of course, right. in the very beginning, they said the hack, or it's actually a cyber attack, was so large, they thought it might be like a nation state, like Russia or someone that did it. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically what it was, DYN is, and I don't understand all the technicalities of this, but DYN is like, I guess they're, part, they're a company that is has in charge of like infrastructure for the internet. Mm-hmm. So they like, I guess they're kind of like the yellow pages for the internet. So like if something happens to DYN, Twitter goes down, you know, New York Times went down, uh, all these different websites just go down and it becomes unavailable. Well, what they did was, whoever did this, um, they attacked things that run on the internet. So like, so your coffee pot, if you have it, you know, or your refrigerator now, if it's attached to the internet your cameras, your security system, all that stuff. They infiltrated and put malware into all that stuff, and they set up to, like, what, like 15 million yeah. devices or something like yeah, that crazy. were attacked? Okay. It was just all, the, all of our... It could have been some of our own devices at our houses were infected with this thing. And at one point, they all just, like, dumped all this code into DYN and overloaded it so it couldn't start, which, and, you know, it couldn't well, continue. Which really goes back to a conversation we had, I don't know, a few weeks ago or something about uh, nuclear... Uh, nuclear um, Weapons isn't the first strike anymore. It's a cyber attack. It's oh, yeah. first strike now. It would debilitate this country. Yeah. yeah. So I saw speculation this could have been a practice run for Election Day. What do you think about that? Well, so that's a good point because if they this was a warning straight up because if they really wanted to hurt hurt us, they would have targeted something legit like hospitals mm-hmm. or power grid. Are you or, saying Netflix isn't legit? Oh, <laughs> for many, yes. Okay, yes, it is. But, uh, but no, yeah, totally. This was either a probing or a warning, either or. And, and actually, it, it serves as both. You know? Same purpose, yeah. Yeah, pro- yeah. it was both Educated probing and guess who was it? Man, uh, the WikiLeaks thing just happened. So, so I heard a rumor that they said they were mad that Assange had his internet cut. Um, and they think that it's U.S. direct involvement with that. I think it, I'm kind of on the other side, conspiracy theorist, of, like, this is just a dry run. Yeah. For election well, day? Well, that, something bigger. Don't, oh. well, the, My birthday, the possibly. The, <laughs> cutting the head of the out CIA, Netflix. a few months ago, in an interview, the head of the CIA, you know, was asked what keeps him up at night. And this was the thing that he mentioned, was cybersecurity. Yeah. So that's where we're mo- most vulnerable, so... Well, it's like, literally, we, we, we're not prepared for it. I mean, yeah. we, we literally aren't. Like, you have your, your virus scanner on your computers at home or whatever. But those only work on known, you know, right. it scans for stuff they already know about. Mm-hmm. Now, if there's a nation state out there, let's say Russia, China, whoever else, they're going to write something completely unknown. Yeah. You know, something that's not covered in most virus scans. And they'll just dump it out on the Internet. And literally, and just sit there and wait for, a, you know, a time to do it. Um, supposedly, I don't have you guys ever seen that... Uh, uh, that documentary about Stuxnet and how we attacked Iran. Mm-hmm. They said that through means like this, basically, they've already fully infiltrated Iran. Stuxnet was nothing compared to what they'll do now. Wow. But you've got to figure that they also have us on that. So this right here is just a straight-up you know, example of... To go with what you were saying, Bowie, um, earlier this morning I was watching some stories talking about uh, these people. Uh, voter registration. Voter registration has been compromised in some states because of this hack. Well, yeah, so. really quick, there was a story that came out of Oklahoma over the weekend of, I <laughs> know, Oklahoma. Uh, some Russian officials wanted to be there on election day to just follow the process and how things work. <laughs> Didn't they want to do it last yeah. election day? They wanted to do it last time, and then Oklahoma, the uh, Secretary of State there, he, he said, he said uh, it's a truly amazing system, and he said, you can watch it on TV. 
<laughs> so, like, <laughs> so I had to, I saw this over the weekend, and just look at this uh, Russian aircraft carrier. Oh, man. Um, it's billowing, belching smoke. It's burning? And it's using, like, diesel engines or something like that. It, it's going through the English Channel right now as a show of force. It's the head of uh, oh, eight ships, of an eight-ship flotilla. And uh, they're headed right now to uh, the Med to uh, bulk up their forces over off the Oh, man, Syria. they got one of those uh, hel helicopter things? We don't have those, <laughs> Yeah, dude. I wonder if it actually That's runs. Crazy. This cracked me up, man. It's like they've been talking about this fleet moving since it left uh, like a week ago <laughs> or so. And they were like, oh, my gosh, the biggest you know, Russian flotilla since the Cold War. And, and you know, how, how spooky it sounded. But literally, it's, it's, it's kind of funny. The, the Russian Navy sucks. It straight sucks. This this is I feel like you're just trash talking right now. <laughs> this aircraft carrier literally it, it's it's known to break down so much that it travels with its own tugboat right next to it. Wow. To, to, to basically keep it going, it's so hilarious. But but literally, Russia the, the Russian fleet is so bad. It ha I think they they have like one aircraft carrier. Just that's their only aircraft carrier right there. It can barely move. It runs off a diesel engine. This is like thirty old tech. But they have a lot of other military in, in the ocean, right? They have like ten submarines. No, they, they really don't. Their, their navy is not great. Um, the only, the, there's one dominant navy in the United States, and that's the United States Navy. And we have about 10 aircraft carriers, um, as per uh, political Parker over there. Um, he I uh, eight, stepped out and became military Parker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually 10. The re we have more aircraft carriers in the world combined. Uh, China, has, China has one, but it's not serviceable. It's not in use yet. Wow. Russia has this one, which travels the world with its own tugboat because it's always breaking So down. I don't understand. How, why are we afraid of Russia? Well, nuclear weapons, pretty much. Okay. Um, but we have those too. Yeah. Well, they're the only ones that can actually directly counter us, yeah. and we can destroy each other at the same time. Oh. And their lands, they, they have, they have considerable So maybe you should about. stop trash-talking their <laughs> Navy. <laughs> Putin is. I want to trash-talk that Navy all, 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 all I mean, come on, that's But ridiculous. why haven't they or China grown? Like, why, why do they not build more? for the? Because obviously at sea has been, you know, something that we've used for decades and decades. Well, we're able to do it because we have the largest economy in, in the history of man, and we've been able to build this since, you know, the 1950s, mm -hmm. basically. Uh, it's not an easy thing to do. Um, and they don't even have the doctrine to keep these navies going. Even if they decided, suddenly decided to build up a ton of ships and deplete their economies, they don't even really know how to operate large fleets. We're actually in an incredibly unique position. We're the only global power that's ever existed mm. like this. And that's how far away we are from these countries. It, it's not even close, really. So well, why then, Jason, does the world look at us as so weak over the past... I don't know, eight years? Weak leadership, you know? I mean, <laughs> yeah. really, it's you know, weak leadership. Do we ever show our force at all? No. Besides maybe inauguration? Our force? Yeah, like our military force. When do we ever actually show it off? I mean, like in parades or something yeah. like that? Or, I mean, <laughs> Why do we not go in like every other parades? country does it? Why don't we? Because we don't have to. <laughs> We're basically the only country that is in... Almost every single country in the world, you know what I mean? We have so yeah. many allies. We have bases yeah. all over the world. We're the only country that, that's ever done this, really. Yeah. I mean, our show of force is daily operation, military operations. It really is. We're that dominant. But anyway, forget this. Do you America. have an election update, yeah. Caleb? <laughs> uh, what do you got? Yes, but I first want to address the elephant in the room. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yes, me and Nathan are wearing the same shirt today. <laughs> yes, we called each other Nerd. this but, morning. Hey, Bowie and <laughs> Jason are wearing almost the same coat as well. It's true. He's wearing a shirt and I'm wearing a jacket. <laughs> wow, and there it is. <laughs> okay, so election update. Um, Back to that update. 
Uh, it better be good because I'm tired of the election. Uh, there's 14 <laughs> days left. Yes. It's almost over. Um, latest polls have... So, 538 did this interesting thing where they... They ran, well, they run simulate, their forecast is based on multiple simulations run every day, like hundreds of simulations. But to get a likelihood of where things are going to end up on election day, they ran 20,000 simulations to get their numbers. And right now they have, uh, they have four outcomes that they perceive happening. A Trump win, a narrow Clinton win, a Clinton win in the Obama zone, so the same margins he won in 2008, 2012, and then a Clinton landslide. And their percentage breakdown, if you just look at the polls right now, is a 13% chance that Donald Trump pulls out a narrow victory, either with the popular vote and the Electoral College or uh, without the popular vote and the Electoral College. But either way, he wins in a narrow, his win would be very narrow. They have a 13% chance that Clinton wins in a one to two point, you know, um, uh, with a one to two point margin, they have a 31% chance she wins in a four to seven point margin, and a 43% chance she wins in an eight plus point margin, which would be a landslide at that point. Gosh, but I'm confused. So... Drudge says that Trump's up two points. No, I thought it was six last time. I'm Dr- confused because Dr- the, uh, the whole election's rigged, so does it really That's why I think it's important to point out because that it's rigged? barring some, <laughs> no, barring. To quote John uh, Heilman from a couple weeks ago, barring Hillary getting hit by a bus, like, she's going to win. Yeah. Uh, and what people need to realize is it's not that the election is rigged. It's that a majority of America is going to collectively throw up in their mouths and pull the lever for her over him because they'll take corrupt over crazy any day. But literally, Trump's only offense right now is, is saying that the election's rigged and that the media is rigged against him. And weren't, weren't you just talking about that, Nathan? Yeah, there's the Washington Post uh, editorial last week. The headline, it says, Inside Donald Trump's Very Dangerous strategy, strategy to Discredit the Media. And, of course, it seems like we've heard nothing but this for the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, a tweet from a week ago that he said the election is absolutely being rigged by the dishonest and distorted media pushing crooked Hillary. And that's just, you but know, he ain't wrong, though, on that. Though. Yeah. <laughs> no, like, I, I hate to disagree with the guy, but I mean, and we're to agree with the guy. But <clears throat> CNN, we talked about this is nonstop. Where's WikiLeaks on CNN and MSNBC? And yeah. the media was pushing for Trump during the whole primary season. So that he would win, and then we it would be a you know, landslide uh, victory yeah. for Hillary. I don't well, think it's news that the media is rigged. No. But, yeah. I mean, you make a good point, though. They, they were all on his side to get to set up what we have now, this debacle. They were yeah. all... They, basically, they almost handed him the nomination. Well, they, they all would say, gosh, it's great to... Ha-, you know, America is saying to have somebody from the outside is great for the Republican Party. And then now they're saying, golly, this was idiotic of the GOP. And those yeah. people are horrible. Well, a, lot of them are, a lot of people are saying, look, we need someone experienced to do this job. The, yeah. the only way. But what's hilarious is in 2008, during Obama's election, I remember tons of them were saying, look, experience is not that big of a deal. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, he's just, you know, he, he'll, he'll do fine. An but, interesting question is, is Trump pushing this narrative because after the election, the only media source you'll be able to trust is Trump TV. <laughs> this, Trump is TV. True. Well, this is true. This is true. Trump was up by six points, he, he wouldn't be talking about this at all, you know? Oh, this, yeah. this, yeah. Is, this is clearly talk from somebody who's about well behind and it needs something to save face because, you know, he's about to lose big. 
Yeah, I think. He's only Bigley? within the margin of error. He's, he's about to Texas. lose Bigley. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's within striking distance Bigley. in Texas. Uh, no, Hillary's within striking distance in Texas. Hillary's in, within striking distance in Utah. She's in striking distance within Arizona. You can't lose this many categories and carry. You can't be down in this many categories and win the election. He's. It's like we said this morning. It's the fourth quarter, two-minute warning. You're down by three scores, and you have no timeouts left. All right, so uh, James Brennan is a uh, philosopher. Oh, I love him. He's great. He's one puts of my forward an interesting idea that I will just start by saying I don't completely disagree with. So his <laughs> whole premise is that America should become an epistocracy, which is basically a representative democracy with some improvements. And that improvement is that votes can be weighted based on your knowledge. Oh, totally. How about it? <laughs> totally disagree with that. Horrible. Well, and that's not the whole thing, okay, though. There, so here's, some other here's his point. <laughs> that politicians have to cater to the median voter, which is why so much crap gets passed, is because the median voter barely knows anything. The median voter can barely pass, like, poli-sci basics, or economic basics. So by giving... And the reason is that because they feel no incentive to become knowledgeable because they feel like their vote doesn't matter, which is true honestly. And so by giving people the incentive to become knowledgeable, you know, if you pass the, uh, what is it, American citizenship test, mm-hmm. which we already use, And it's none fair. of us at this table could pass. That is such a lie. That, I took a practice test at, last at, night. Yeah, that's not true, actually. You took the it's, test last night? I did. It's very easy. It would not be easy for a lot of people. And so yeah. if people have the incentive to become more knowledgeable, then and the incentive is you're vote could be weighted more, then we have I, a population of smarter true story, people. I actually took one of those because we were, I was trying to teach people within the Hispanic community that yeah. it's really easy to start going through this process and actually obtain, and I thought it was going to be hard. It's I'm, pretty easy. I'm probably basing this off of the David Barton one that he has, yeah. because he had one of like 100 questions, and even he couldn't answer it, all yeah. of them. Well, okay. this, this, so yeah, that's like it, 50 years old. In well, essence, I only this, took the practice test, to be fair. <laughs> in my opinion, this, this kind of sets up elitism. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, there was an article recently that Caleb and I were reading in Cracked Magazine, of all places, yeah. that talked about how there was this huge divide between people that lived in smaller rural areas, basically most of the country, you know, mm-hmm. in the middle, yeah. and in then the elites in the big cities on mm-hmm. the coast. So basically, that, in my opinion, that just increases that divide. I mean, there's people that, there's farmers that live in Idaho or something like that. Where the, the, their vote means on. just as much as anybody else's. But are you but saying not... that a farmer in Idaho doesn't have the mental capacity to take the test and earn that extra weight? No, I'm saying that his vote means just as much as someone that went to college. Right. He doesn't have yeah. to go to college. He went to the University this, of Hard Knocks. This kind of comes down to the same issue that we had with women not voting. Like, it's almost going back to that, saying women should not have the right to vote because they were treated differently, yeah, that well, they were lower at, class. At first, I had a real problem with, the, with this concept uh, of a test. But when you think about things like, you know, you have to pass a driver's test to drive, uh, there, it, it doesn't sound so unreasonable, you know, to, to expect that if you're going to go vote, that you have some basic knowledge of things, you know? And the citizenship test, as an example, is actually, it's quite easy. I mean, they give you the questions to study, 
and you only have to answer 10 of them, and you only have to get six of the 10 right. I mean, it's a, it's a very low yeah, bar. So if you're saying like that, so that your right to vote makes you an equal citizen, well, 20% of our population do not have but the no, right to vote. But no, we're born in America. Kids 17 and younger don't have the right to vote, so are they not equal parts of society? Should they be? In, in defense, I would say this. My seven-year-old, I'd rather my seven-year-old daughter vote than some people in college today. So then yeah. you, guys, you, guys are telling, so you guys are telling me that there are people out there Yes, there are people that are uninformed, but are we to say they don't have a right? So we're taking away a right from somebody that they were born in a country and given a right. And can I build off of his point? The, the ultimate job of informing oneself goes to that individual. Right. But it's our job in the media to make that as easy as possible. We fail at that a lot. Yeah, sure. Like, a lot. Yes, Ultimately, it is the person casting their ballot's responsibility to be informed on the issue. But we hold the responsibility as, uh, as people in the media to help them do that. Um, yeah. But I just think the right to vote is a little bit more fundamental than your right to drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is an inherent right in living in a... I mean, that's why our forefathers created it this way. Yeah. Like, we... we it's, it, a... it's just a very slippery slope once you go down... Restricting. Yeah. And speaking of forefathers, yeah. what they actually wanted, they didn't intend for politics to become what it no, is now. No, not at all. Yeah. I mean, this true. is taking that to that's the next so level. Well, but, they really but. didn't. Like that's that's the point of the entire point of representative, you know, representative democracy. At the you know, same if you're, time, if you're, for instance, sorry, if you're like in a, you know, like let's say if you're, if you're that farmer in Idaho or whatever, well, there is a guy that is going to handle that for you and represent your issues. Now you don't need to take a test on how the Supreme Court works, you know, to be able to elect that official. In defense of the Founding Fathers, though, I mean, that's really essentially why we have the Electoral College, though. They didn't do a, they didn't do a, a just straight-up popular vote from the start because there were those rural successful. farmers who had no clue what was going on. And, and, they, and they had an excuse because there, there's no telegram, there's no, you know, they Well, the Electoral College was, the, the basis for the Electoral College was more that the founders knew that the history of direct democracies like Rome and Greece failed all the time, mm-hmm. and the Electoral College was more their buffer to make sure mob rule never happened. Right. So we have, so we've got Halloween coming up a week from today. Yes. yes. Uh, and tomorrow, as we said at the open, Edgar Allan Poe on the History Show. It's going to be pretty scary. Glenn goes down into his dungeon. Anyways, uh, so it's uh, there's a story coming out of the University of Florida. It came out a few weeks ago. We hadn't had a chance to talk about it yet. And Bowie says that she sent this story first off, but I actually think I did. But that's another controversy for another day. Bowie sent it first. Oh. (laughs) University of Florida students offered counseling for being offended by Halloween costumes. Here's the thing that they said. Some Halloween costumes reinforce stereotypes of particular races, genders, cultures, or religions. Regardless of intent, these costumes can perpetrate... Thank you. Negative stereotypes causing harm and offense to groups of people. UF administration said in a blog post, if you are troubled by an incident that does occur, please know that there are many resources available. Well, I'm already talking to HR because Jason said he's going to bring in a sombrero next week. (laughs) He's half Hispanic. I'm going to cancel my subscription from the blade. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this is just crazy. What I've seen is like, uh, costume, not culture, is the oh, gosh. popular phrase well, one this of the Halloween ones the, season. One of the ones that they're talking about banning, of course, is the e- an Ebola one, which somebody dressed up as a nurse and had like blood over them. But that's something that you would well, see. We saw it last year. At there's Halloween. always like distaste, 
distasteful costumes, right. but I think... But do you really need counseling? Well, like, now you can't be, like, an Indian, like a Native American. Right. Which I feel like used to be a popular kids' costume, right? Right. Because that's, that's culture. Yeah, Cowboys yeah. and Indians. Indians. But then also, um, you know, the village people, that was a big Halloween one. I can't say that without a straight face. <laughs> Look, I'm offended by, by what people wear like 90% of the day. Yeah. You know, on days that aren't Halloween. You know, like you really probably shouldn't wear that. But you don't have to, <laughs> like, you don't really. have to call a hotline to feel better yeah, about no, it. No, no, I don't. We, we should such, though. We are a country counseling. of wusses now, yeah. seriously. Yeah. You know what we need so is we need to clone or actually create uh, Clint Eastwood's character from Gran Torino. And just mass produce that character out all in every city. All right, we got a this day in history? This day in history, yes. Uh, Western Union completes the first transcontinental telegraph line. Uh, You know, sometimes you don't think that things were going on during the Civil War, but this actually was completed just a few months into the start of the Civil War. Uh, But obviously, very important for. communications and technology in America. Another history-related item is uh, Hillary. There is significance to her wearing white, as you really not know. Yes, it has to do with the suffragette movement. It came from Great Britain in 1908. They wore white for purity. That was one of their traits. Oh, look, there she is. Wait, and and then you can see Hillary decided to wear white in all her big moments. The night she clinched the Democrat nomination, which you see right now, uh, the night she gave her acceptance spe- at, speech at the Democrat National Convention. That's this and one. Then and the she, last debate. And then she, she, wore, yeah, wore it at the, she wore white at the last that debate. Was, that's smart. She um, looked like a Heaven's Gate preacher or something. She really like did that. in that yeah, last, in the last <laughs> one. I think, I think looking at it, I've, it's, it's kind of like her closer <laughs> outfit. Every time she's trying to make like a, a closing that argument or oh something, gosh, she wears white. She looks like I'm pretty Kim sure Betty Hamm wore the same thing. She's going to take her jacket off and start nailing people with it. Uh, but okay, yeah. so but there's ex- some historical. Yeah, explain a little bit uh, exactly like what, why they did that. The suffragette movement, uh, well, that was just trying to get women the right to vote. Um, started in England, the early 1900s, and eventually, of course, made its way over here. Now, it didn't start after Great Britain. It was going on here as early as the 1840s, but took a long time so to get there. So why is she championing that? I mean, are women, they're just so oppressed in the United States today. I'm right? pretty we, sure, was it, is it her? 100%. Look the, how underrepresented I am right now. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it the Clinton Foundation that was, that paid their women 30% less than the men? Yep. Mm. Something like that, yeah. Yep. I mean, so, okay, let's, let's, if you really want to talk about suffrage, let's talk about maybe you should, you know, walk the walk and pay the women more. Let's ask for that. Uh, you know, it's just if you want equal white rights, then let's let's do it in equal your own whites. whites. Equal whites. <laughs> I was thinking white dress. Yeah. Yes. In the house. Yeah. Equal whites. <laughs> but yeah, that's just that's just crazy. Gra- the glass ceiling is fully intact in our own foundation. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. That's good gosh. Huh. And another another interesting thing about back to your Western Union thing. Yeah. That's also Western Union was the first company to get caught and documented proof of them colluding with the government to spy on their own civilians. That's right. I remember you talking about Happened that. Happened in the 1800s. Wow, uh, there was crazy. sabotage on the, uh, as they were building this, by the way. Native Americans, the Sioux, in fact, uh, cut the line and used uh, some long stretches of it to make bracelets. Really? And then later, some of them got sick, yes, and their medicine man said that they had offended uh, the, the great t- wire talking gods and huh. that they should stop cutting the line. So they were able to finish it, yeah. Wow, that's crazy. That's yeah. crazy. Gosh, the 1861? 1861, yeah. yeah. 
It's just, ama- it's, just, it's just amazing to me how far we've come. The first I mean, talking about this DOIN attack and everything else now. I mean, it's, it's really, it's, hasn't seen, it's not really that much time has no, gone by. No, that as explains far as, the hack. We offended the wire talking guns. Yeah, that, that, is that very true. explains the yeah, hack. There you have it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Andrew, um, something you don't know, but this is the third role of Think Tank. Yeah. This is the, your first time on Think Tank. Yep. You have to be the one to give the prayer. Let's do it. So, all right. Let's do it. Father God, we just thank you for this day that you've given us. We thank you for all of the blessings that you provide. And this time, Father, we just want to lift up our nation and we want to uh, continue to be voices of truth, Father, voices of reason in the midst of all of this chaos that's taking place. We pray, Father, that we are able to see your hand through the storm and that we might be able to feel the calm, be still and listen for when you are there. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The key to having a great day starts with having a great night's sleep, and I know because I have a Casper mattress. The Casper mattress was invented with two high-tech foams that give you all of the support that you need and guarantee that you get the best night's sleep ever. Time Magazine named Casper Mattress one of the best inventions of 2015. Casper ships for free in a box so small you won't believe it holds the actual mattress, making it simple to get from your front door to your bedroom. And you try it for 100 nights risk-free. They'll come and pick it up if you don't love it as much as I love mine. And they'll refund every single dime. Once you try it, you're never going to want to sleep on anything else. Having a great day by having a great night's sleep. Casper.com slash Glenn. Use the promo code Glenn. $50 off the purchase of your mattress at Casper.com slash Glenn. The promo code is Glenn. Don't forget, $50 off the purchase of your mattress. Casper.com slash Glenn. Terms and conditions do apply.